It's a fact that few people like change, and if you're involved with your church in leadership, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, the good news is we have a guest that has some wonderful tips on helping people navigate change in your church, next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other resources for your life and ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. It's episode 400 of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. I'm with you today uh, flying solo. Well, not exactly solo. We have a guest, which I will introduce here in a moment. Steve Lacey is out, but I can't believe we've got over 400 episodes now. We've actually got more than 400 podcast episodes, but uh, that's when we start counting. Uh, but anyhow, we're, we're glad that you are here today with us. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, we've got a, a great guest today. And one of my favorite topics that we're going to discuss is change. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. I do want to uh, remind you that, uh, yeah, we're a streaming company. We do a lot of tech stuff, but because we're involved in ministry, we cover a lot of different topics. Uh, today's not necessarily tech at all, but uh, that's an ex- example of some of the things we do. Uh, we do also webinars. And uh, if you're interested, we have a webinar coming up in October. So if you're listening to this before October 17th, you might want to sign up for it. It's free. It is called Unlock. Let me put my glasses on so I can read the title. Unlock <laughs> your free Christmas promotion toolkit. Unlock your free Christmas promotion toolkit. Uh, one of our shorter titles, by the way. And uh, it's going to be happening October 17th. It's it's uh, 9 on the, on the West Coast, 12 on the East Coast. And uh, this is a great little webinar that we'll probably do some follow-ups on as well. And it's all about helping you reach your people and reach more people uh, during the Christmas season. And Christmas, yes, is coming up. And it's a great time to reach people, as historically we know that people that don't normally come to church or at least go back to church will do that around the Christmas season and around Easter. So we've got some great tools here that that could probably help your church and ministry, and it's all free. So again, it's uh, you can sign up for this webinar.streamingchurch.tv. And uh, sign up for that; it's free, and uh, I think you'll you'll like it. All right. So uh, our next guest has been a pastor for. Uh, really over 20 years, he's been helping churches navigate a changing world, and he's also the host of the Spiritual Life and Leadership Podcast, and uh, that podcast helps leaders integrate their inner spiritual life with their outer life of leadership and ministry. He's also author of the book, Beyond Thingification. I didn't mispronounce that, or maybe I did, but it's (laughs) Thingification. We'll get to that in a moment. Helping your church engage in God's mission. Please welcome everybody, Marcus Watson to the Church Solutions Podcast. Marcus, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited to talk with you today. Yeah, we're, we're happy about this. And uh, uh, you're in the San Diego area, one of my favorite spots. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I need to come out and visit you sometime because we go out yeah. there quite often. Awesome. That'd be great. (laughs) Maybe after the podcast, you won't want to, but uh, (laughs) we'll we'll see what happens. So, so Marcus, uh, uh, change. Yeah. Uh, Boy, I tell you, the changes in my experience 
uh, it's one of the hardest things for people yeah. to navigate. I mean, I, yeah. I was in ministry for over four decades and, uh, and I was also in leadership and, and boy, that's tough, but it's yeah. also tough on the people. It's tough on the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've really recent years really embraced the principles of impermanence, which has really mm. helped me navigate change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but change is a difficult thing. And especially if you're leading a church, because, <laughs> uh, as we know, most people don't like change. So, yeah. uh, let me start off by asking you a couple of questions. What are some mm-hmm. of the biggest challenges that pastors face when trying to lead change in their churches? Yep. Yeah, that's a great question uh, because it is uh, ubiquitous, right? I mean, is everywhere. Um, everyone is having to lead change, especially uh, I would say, sort of in this post-COVID world, where the church is not what it uh, was even three, four, five years ago. I, I read recently um, uh, Tom Rayner said something about. I had a little article about um, the fact that we need to recategorize our church sizes, where uh, you know, it used to be a small church was if you're under 150, I, I'm making that number up, but, you know, but now he says, if you're 50 and below, you're a small church. If you're 51 to hundred, you're a mid-sized church. If you're 101 to 250, you're a large church. And if you're over 250, then you're a very large church. And then of course you've got mega church as well. Right. So I, I'm just, I mentioned that as a way of saying, this is one of the changes that we have to sort of wrestle with is just sort of a new normal. Right. Um, this is what uh, we might call adaptive change. And so for me, one of the things that's really helpful is distinguishing between technical change and and adaptive change. And um, this language comes uh, from the work of Ronald Heifetz, who's written great books like um, Leading uh, Leadership on the Line, where he, he uh, he's a Harvard professor, leadership guy. Uh, technical change is the kind of change that... Uh, for which we have experts, right? So uh, a lot of, uh, so uh, some of the changes that happened, for instance, during COVID was we had to implement, you know, streaming uh, services. Well, there were experts who knew how to do that. So in some regards, it was a technical change. But on the other hand, it changed the way we thought about church, right? So because church is something that we do together, Um and and it's about fellowship and it's about community it's about communal worship and you know hearing god's word together and all of a sudden we're having to rethink what we mean by church you know and can we still be a church if we're not in the same place so that would fit more into the category of an adaptive change in terms of um, sort of the emotional change. Uh, so anyway, um, that's the challenge um, when it comes to change. And I think the hardest thing about change, especially when it comes to uh, adaptive change, is that change always means, that's why uh, I think people really don't like the new thing. It's because they're going to potentially lose something that's very meaningful to them. Uh, sometimes I think about the worship wars, you know, that we had back in like the eighties and nineties and, yeah. um, and, um, and the resistance there was to introducing sort of more contemporary music. And, 
you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, it's not so much that people resisted the new form of music. It's that they were afraid of losing a kind of worship that was very meaningful to them with which they grew up. And, um, and, and that holds a lot of powerful and beautiful memories for them. And to lose that, right. That's what they were resisting. It wasn't necessarily that they were resisting the, um, the new thing. It's that they're resisting losing the thing that had meant so much for them. Anyway, so that's kind of my 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 thoughts, initial thoughts anyway, on uh, on change yeah. and why it's so hard and why it matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is uh, yeah. that's, that's some very good points. So let, let's talk about some common mistakes here that pastors make when trying to lead change. So, you know, let's say I don't know. Maybe you're uh, you've come into a congregation. You're new to the congregation. Uh, and you want to, you know, there's some things you want to make a change on. Uh, yeah. What are some common mistakes that that, that <laughs> we make? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's a great question too. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is coming in as though we are the expert, especially if you're coming into a new church. Um, one of the things I've learned, and I've served in several churches, um, every church is different, right? Every, uh, they, they have a different character. They have uh, there are different people with different interests and passions. There's sort of a different, there's a different history. Uh, there's a different neighborhood, right? Different culture. And um, I think one of the mistakes we make is that we come in saying, well, this is what worked at my last church and it's going to work now, right? And so you come in and you say, here are the answers. Or sometimes maybe the mistake we make is we've, uh, I've read all these books and I'm just going to apply these books uh, you know, what I've learned from these books, uh, just as is, without sort of contextualizing to that particular church, right? I mean, I've learned a lot from books, right? I've learned a lot from my experiences in other churches. But the thing that that I need to do every time I go into a new congregation is I need to just start by listening. Um, and and I, I actually need to start by not changing anything at first, um, because I don't I don't know yet right? What needs to change and what doesn't need to change. I might have some ideas. Uh, so for instance, this is kind of a funny example. I, I worked for a few years at a, at a tiny little church. I was an interim pastor um, about two hours east of San Diego. You would drive through there, um, Phil, on your way to San Diego, the Imperial Valley um, and uh, a little town called Westmoreland and a little church um, made up mostly of farmers and other people who work in agriculture, because that's the industry there. And um, and they ended the service with uh, sort of a song. They would gather around in a circle, hold hands, and sing a, sort of a blessing to the tune of Edelweiss. And uh, totally hokey in any other context. You know? <laughs> and and I, I thought about it often. I was like, I would never introduce this you know, to any church that I serve. But it worked in that congregation. For those people, it was a really meaningful experience. And so I was like, I'm not touching that, right? I am leaving that just as is. Now, if they ever say, maybe we'll stop doing that, that's fine. You know, we can have that conversation and maybe that's the right thing to do. But it's not my job to go in there and start flipping tables, so to speak. Wow. Jesus got yeah. to do that. I didn't get to do that. Uh, uh, you know, until the time comes that that I've earned some credibility, perhaps. We've had lots of conversations. Um, I'll, I'll give another example of, uh, of, of leading change. Um, one of my churches, it was sort of a worship wars, um, issue. This was back in the mid two thousands. And, um, you know, do we combine our traditional service and our contemporary service? Cause attendance was on the decline. 
And so um, what we did was we got everyone together, the whole congregation. I put them around tables in our fellowship hall, and I gave them several questions to discuss. And basically, the questions were just uh, questions like, um, you know, how do you feel about the way things are, are right now, you know, in terms of having two services? How would you feel about combining the two services? Um, you know, would you, uh, what, what, well, what feelings are brought up for you anyway? So those kinds of questions. And I just let them discuss. I had a, I had a, a facilitator and a note taker at each table. <clears throat> and I said, everybody gets to share, right? Every, and everybody has to share. You have to say something. So everybody got a voice. And then after, you know, I gave them maybe 20 minutes or so to talk at their tables. And then I said, okay, now I want each table to, you know, designate someone to come up and share what you what you discussed at your table, and then they shared that with the whole congreg- uh, congregation that was gathered there in the, in that room, um, and um, and it was it was so good because everybody's voice was heard. And here's the thing, um, I didn't have enough authority to, you know, like expert authority or even um, uh, what's the word, um, just uh, not political authority, but you know, what I mean, uh, just uh, relational authority with the people because I, right. I hadn't quite been there long enough yet. However, um, Jack Hyde, uh, a guy in his 70s or 80s, had a lot of authority in that congregation. And so he came up and he came to share for his table. And he said, you know, uh, the world is changing and I don't like it. And uh, I wish we could go back to the 1970s. And I thought to myself, oh, no, I can't believe he's saying this. <laughs> and then he goes, but we can't. And I, and he said, so it's not a matter of if we change, it's when we change. And I say, uh, when is now, and and that's what that's what clinched it, right? It wasn't anything I did; it was what Jack did. But what I did was I created an environment in which those conversations could happen, and in which someone like Jack could get up and say that to the whole congregation. Because when he said it, everyone goes, "Oh yeah, he's right," right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm guilty as charged, as you were saying at the beginning there. I, I would go in the churches either as a senior pastor or executive pastor and, you know, overturn tables, yeah. <laughs> try to force change, come yeah. off cocky. Yeah. And uh, uh, it didn't get me very far at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. W- what you're sharing is a lot of wisdom. And really, you're answering my my, my next question. You you already really answered it was, well, what are some things that pastors can do to create mm-hmm. a culture of change? Yeah. Uh, and so that's definitely one of them right there, mm-hmm. uh, being really being open to what the people have to say and, and helping create that culture. Can you elaborate yeah. a little bit more on, yeah. on culture? Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so you know, so what I've said so far is is listening conversations. Um, a, another way that's helpful to think about leading change is a process uh, that is referred to sometimes as action reflection. This is sort of a technical term, but the idea is um, you you take action together. So so okay, so let's say. Um, okay. So this is an example from, uh, from my book. This is kind of what I talk about in my book. So, um, uh, if you're trying to reach your neighborhood and your church is not very good at reaching your neighborhood, well, uh, what can we do, right? How do we, how do we do that? How do we actually connect with neighbors? Um, an action reflection process is a process in which you do something, you know, you try something out 
And then you sit back and you reflect on it and you kind of say, how did that go? What did we learn? You know, what are we, what are we seeing? What is God saying in the midst of this? So the way this would look um, is let's say you get a group of people in your church together, um, you know, six, 10 people, something like that, 12 people max maybe, but, and you just say, um, let's start paying attention to the people that we interact with in our neighborhoods and maybe pick a particular place that you're involved in. So maybe your kids are on the little league team. And so you just start paying attention you have conversations, you ask questions from the, you know, the other parents as you're just pay attention as you're with other people and just notice what are their hopes? What are their fears? What are their anxieties? You know, what are they, uh, what are they longing for? Um, uh, what, what are they excited about? You know, just pay attention. Um, uh, so it could be a little league team, could be a PTA, you know, group could be, um, uh, when we did this in one of my churches, she was in an investment club, you know, and so she just, that was her place where she was just going to pay attention, right? So that's sort of the action part. You go into your neighborhood, you you take action, in this case, by engage, by by listening, by by paying attention. And then we would come together once a month, and then we would reflect together. And what that meant is we would spend some time in prayer, we would spend some time in the scriptures, uh, sort of listening to the story of God. And then we would listen to each other's stories. What did we, what would, what did we notice? What did we hear? What kinds of conversations did we have uh, when we were out in the neighborhood, right? And we talked about that. We took notes, and then we uh, we went back out again, right, for for a month and spent time just listening to our neighbors again. We kind of did this action reflection process for several months. Um, and then as several months, meaning maybe like six to eight months. So, so it's not a short, a short process, right? If you're, if you're leading change, actual change, it's not going to happen quick because mm-hmm. if it happens quick, there's going to be resistance, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so if you're going to lead people along in a process of change, it has to take some time, but then you get to a point where, um, uh, you've done this action and reflection, you've paid attention, you've thought about it, you've prayed about it, and then you can say, now let's try something, right? Let's let's do an experiment. Um, and and that just means, listen, we've we've learned from our neighbors. Um, and maybe if we do this, this will meet a need in our community. And not not just any old need, but a need that is reflective of you know who we are as followers of Jesus, right? So ministry. Uh, kind of a, a engagement, uh, but also how are we wired as a church? We've probably talked about this in our times of reflection. What are what are our gifts? What are we good at? And and then again, what does the neighborhood need? And maybe we can engage like this, you know. And so maybe we uh, volunteer at the tutoring center, you know, or and and that becomes a ministry experiment, you know. And maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe if you're in a college town, you. Uh, you know, let's try, let's on Friday nights, we'll put up a stand and give out free hot dogs and water to try to keep the kids sober or something, but, um, (laughs) you know, so you just try things, right. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but here's the thing. If it's an experiment, then it can't fail, right? It is, even if it doesn't work, it's not a failure. It just means, okay, we tried that and we learned that thing didn't work. So then let's, Let's reflect again. Let's kind of think about what what worked, what didn't, um, and then you can try something else, right? So you you experiment again. And um, when uh, one church, actually, this church in Westmoreland, they they kind of went through a process like that, um, where I I was uh, I was not their pastor yet. I was actually guest preaching uh, with them a, a couple of times a month. They were without a pastor at the time, 
And um, I met with their elders after church once, and they wanted to just pick my brain on some thoughts. And I was asking them, uh, you know, what do you guys do besides uh, worship on Sunday mornings? Again, tiny church, tiny town. And um, I said, and they're very anxious about their Sunday attendance. And um, yeah, I, I was like, you guys have a nice campus. Um, it's small, but it's clean, you know. Um, what do you guys do besides Sunday mornings? And they're like, oh, mm, hmm, yeah, hmm, no, nothing actually. <laughs> and I was like, well, what else could you do? Right. And sometimes all you got to do is ask the question, right? And that gets people thinking. And that's what happened in this case. So um, uh, one of the ladies in particular, who's kind of a go-getter, and sometimes that's, you know, that's part of the the makeup of the church. You got someone who really takes action. She's like, well, let's try some stuff. And so they tried like a, a health fair for their neighborhood. Um, and it was good, but it wasn't like it, you know. Um, and I think they tried one or two other things. But then they said, let's try a food pantry. And that was a little bit more of an of an investment or in terms of their engagement and raising some money, but it came after trying a few things and kind of getting a sense of what they can and can't do. And when they started that food pantry, that was it. Right. And so they've been, and this is a town with a lot of food insecurity, something like 16% food insecurity in this town, um, maybe even higher than that. Um, and so they've been doing this food pantry now for, gosh, I think about five years. And every Thursday night, you know, a hundred to two hundred families come through and uh, receive a box full of food. And and what's amazing is right when it works, when you know that God is in it, it it just it happens. Um, funding has always been there. And what's really cool in this case, right? It it has brought life to that church because now the whole church, even if they aren't, it's an elderly congregation. Not everybody can volunteer on Thursday nights, but a lot of them do. It's like, it's not just about our Sunday morning attendance. It's also about what are we doing on Thursday nights and how many people are we serving Thursday night? And that gives life to the church. All of a sudden, the church realizes, oh, we actually matter in this community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we ceased to exist, that's the age-old question. If if your church ceased to exist, would anybody in your neighborhood notice, right? right. Well, now their neighborhood would notice, Right. And and I love that uh, the lady who started this uh, was kind of the driving force and still is in a lot of ways sort of the leader of this. She said, I, uh, I love that the people that we're serving are becoming our friends, right? So that that kind of outreach is um, just beautiful, right? Um and some and some even right come to church. It's not it, it's not a, the goal necessarily. We're not going to try to get people to come on Sunday mornings. They're welcome to. But the goal is just we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community, and this is how we're doing it. So anyway, right? A, an example of of change through uh, action, reflection, trying some things, stepping back. Did this work? Didn't work? And let's keep trying things until we find the thing uh, that matters. Um, yeah, and you you really created that culture for that to thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, I, I do like that quote about you know we don't make mistakes, we just have experiments that maybe yeah. didn't work. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you met you uh, you. Uh, I got more questions here. We're starting uh-huh. to run out of, run out of time. But I you mentioned your book here. You made a, mm-hmm. a quick reference to the mm-hmm. book Beyond Thingification, helping yeah, your yeah, church yeah. engage in God's mission. So yeah. first of all, is is thingification a yeah. word? I don't think yeah. it is. Is it? <laughs> well, it may or may not be. Um, I actually did get the word from another book called Sharing Faith by Thomas Groom. 
Um, and it is a very, it's kind of an academic book, but it's all about how does spiritual formation through Christian education happen. Um, and, uh, and that's where I got the word, but I think he actually got the word from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and so the idea is, um, the reason I, I call it that is I think, uh, in a lot of ways, we pastors and leaders tend to thingify people in our churches and in our communities. Um, what I mean by that is we forget that they are people and we tend to think of them as categories, uh, giving units. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, um, and it, and it, it's not intentional, right? It's not like we're trying to dehumanize people, but in some subtle ways, we have this tendency of dehumanizing. And so we, we often think in terms of how do we get people through, ram them through a process to get them to where they can volunteer in our church and lead, maybe even lead certain ministries. But, um, but it's, it's almost, uh, yeah, it's almost like we, we forget who they are and their needs and their stories. And, um, and then we do the same thing with our, uh, with our neighborhoods. It's like, so as a pastor, sometimes I get, uh, sucked into the, 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 the thought pattern of thinking, People in my church exist to serve the church, and people outside the church exist to start coming to our church, right? And so that's kind of what I mean by thingification. We tend to think of people more as these categories rather than as human beings created in the image of God with their own stories and needs and hopes. And um, and and the way that fits then into kind of what I was just talking about Um is I think I think what we need to do when we engage in our communities is, um, it, is to humanize everyone, right? Both the, those in our church as we engage in sort of an action reflection process. What that does is it allows us to process all of even our feelings, our fears, our hopes as people in the church wanting to reach our community. But then also as we engage the community, we are humanizing right? Um, the people outside our community by really listening to them. So I think the danger sometimes is that we, you know, we've read a book or we've gone to seminary or gotten a certificate or whatever, you know, and now we know what our neighborhood needs, right? But we probably don't. <laughs> if we right. have not been paying attention to the actual people who live in our neighborhood, we probably have no idea what they need. We think they need, you know, um, I don't know, uh, tutoring, but maybe what they need is Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I don't know, right? But right. you don't know that until you pay attention. So that's kind of the 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 idea behind going beyond thingification is we want to really pay attention to the people in our church, outside our church, and and in that way engage in in the mission that God has for for our church to our community. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're starting to run out of time here, but mm-hmm. you've you've got a project coming up, or you tell us yeah. a little bit about what's what's new with you and what what you got going. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've got a, a an online course that I uh, is free. Uh, I just created it. Uh, it's called Becoming Leaders of Shalom, and the reason uh, I wanted to put this out there, um, I think Shalom I, I, is one of my new favorite words of the last few years. It's a word that um, you know, it's a Hebrew word, means peace. But it's much more than that. It's it's really about a comprehensive uh, state of well-being, right? That touches every aspect of life, and I think that that's what God wants for the world. Um, that's why every kind of ministry matters. Uh, ministry, you know, in poverty-stricken areas, ministry um, in terms of uh, relational healing or marriage ministries, family ministries, but also 
uh, evangelism kinds of ministries, right? Because that's reconciliation with God. That's shalom between us and God. And so um, how do we become the kinds of leaders who lead our people um, to to be people of shalom in the world, right? To bring to be shalom bringers, so to speak, into the world. That everywhere we go, we are bringing the well-being that God wants for the world. How do we become leaders who can lead our churches in that way? But then also, uh, we are called to exp- to to lead from a place of of our own inner shalom, right? Our own inner wholeness, um, because we have been made whole, right, by God, by Jesus, um, and um, and and secure in in who we are as God's beloved, you know, and not needing to meet people's approval or get people's approval or, uh, or, or fear, anxiety over, you know, am I doing the right thing? Um, and are people going to criticize me or, you know, those kinds of things. And so how do we lead from a place of wholeness and health and, and security and confidence? That's part of becoming a leader shalom. So anyway, it's a 12-day online course. Uh, it's available now. You can go get it at marcuswatson.com slash leaders of shalom. My name, by the way, is spelled with a K. So it's M-A-R-K-U-S <laughs> watson.com slash leaders of shalom. You can sign up there. It'll start coming in your inbox one lesson per day. It's about two hours total of content. Um, you'll get it over 12 days. And uh, yeah, I invite folks to go check that out. Super, super. MarcusWatson.com is that's your main website address. Right. And again, it's M-A-R-K-U-S <laughs> yep. Watson, all one word.com. Super. All right. Yep. Well, good deal. Look, I, I we're out of time here, but this has been great. And uh sure appreciate what you're doing. And uh I, I'm I want to make a friend with you. So when I come out to San Diego, I can yeah. I can visit <laughs> you and say hi. And uh, uh, we definitely need to have you back on the Church Solutions podcast again sometime soon. We, we would love to do that. Absolutely. We'd love yeah. to. Yeah. 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 All right. And so, um, folks, if you uh, if you want to get a hold of Marcus, uh, I mean, you're available. I mean, somebody goes to your website. Yep. There's yep. A way they Lots can... of information there. Uh, and if they want to email me, Marcus at MarcusWatson.com, uh, if they want to reach out to me that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. And yeah. as always, we're, we're available uh, if you missed all that or something, you're driving down the road and whatever, just reach out to us here at streamingchurch.tv. We have chat and all that good stuff there. We we really want to help churches besides doing technical stuff with ministry. We want to help them with resources. And uh, uh, we, we have some great people here. And that's part of what we do here at the Church Solutions Podcast. So, Marcus, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, love being with you. All right, good deal. And uh, on behalf of Steve Lacey, who's not here today, he'll be back next time. I'm Phil Thompson. Uh, Catch us on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. Please take care of yourselves and each other.